Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? I hope that you are. Uh, I know it's been raining a lot. Any of y'all gotten any rain? Any place dry? Well, we're in the house of the Lord. I have some things for you before we get started this morning. We have a, we have a new guest with us. Matter of fact, a new guest to the world. Um, not too long ago, and his name is Alan. And he is sitting right up, well, he's not sitting. <laughs> he is kind of sitting, uh, because Andrea is, but she's got him all covered up, okay? Yeah, he is nestled, but uh, just congratulations to both of them, and uh, for what the Lord has allowed to. <clears throat> I'm not going to ask her to stand and hold him up where you can see him, because he's all nice and nestled and quiet and all of those kind of good things. Also, something else that we have that I want to make sure that everybody just keeps on your prayer list. And uh, Brother uh, Kenny uh, will be having uh, his surgery tomorrow uh, in New Orleans. And so uh, we know the Lord's got all of it under control. Kenny told me this morning, he said, got it, okay. Uh, so just let's pray for him and the others that we have. Uh, Brother Leon, uh, we've been up to see him. And uh, Brother Leon told us to tell everybody... Uh, he said hello, and uh, so we just praise the Lord for his recovery. So we have many that we thank the Lord for, and many that are got procedures that are coming up. And so let's just pray for all of them as we do as a church family. Amen? So as we ought to live, and so is the way we ought to walk, one of the things I'm going to ask you to do is stand with me because we're going to join in prayer over these this morning for who we are. We're a gathering of God's people here. And the gathering of God's people, one of the things that we should do is pray. And prayer ought to be central to who we are and to what we do, as well as the Word of God. And are you ready for this? They go hand in hand. So where we're headed this morning in First Thessalonians chapter number 2, we're going to talk about some of this. Amen? So let's bow our heads together as we pray father we thank you today that we can come with absolute confidence to your throne of grace not because of who we are but all because of jesus christ and so father as we come this morning we come bringing our prayers our petitions our supplications with thanksgiving with thanksgiving, knowing that you'll hear them and that, Father, you'll answer them. And so, Father, we bring all of these that we have mentioned, that we have voiced this morning to your throne of grace, praying for nothing more than your perfect will to be done in each one. And, Father, we just want to praise you for your faithfulness to us. And, Father, as we spend the next few moments studying your word this morning father i pray that the holy spirit would go before us prepare the way for us may we surrender ourselves to leading of the holy spirit and father may we be obedient to what he shows us in our own lives and we'll be careful to thank you and to praise you for all that you've done and all you're going to do 
And we ask all of this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You can be seated. First Thessalonians chapter number 2. We'll be looking at just a few verses this morning, verse 13, or verse 9 through verse 16. We'll be paying to particular attention to verse 13 through verse 16. But we'll read all of it for the context. One of the things that, that, I, that, I, that I think Paul is driving in this part of his letter to us is that the Christian life is a way of life. It is not a label. And unfortunately, where we have come to today is Christianity has become a label. To be a Christian has become a label. Well, you must be one of those Christians. And absolutely, most of the time, it has absolutely nothing to do with the way you live your life every day. It is simply a label that has been placed on you. Oftentimes, because of your upbringing, most of the time, because of your birth, a lot of times because of your nationalism, and the list just goes on and on and on. But really what identifies and makes us a Christian, what separates that away from everything else? Matter of fact, when you read through all of Paul's letters, you read Paul's letter to the church of Galatia, and here's what he said. He said, if you live in the Spirit, then walk in the Spirit. And matter of fact, how do you walk in the Spirit? Well, one of the things that we're never commanded to do is to produce fruit. One of the things we're told to do is to bear fruit. So the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter number 5 is evidence of our lives and the relationship that we have through Jesus Christ. So if we live in the Spirit, then we ought to walk that way. So love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, and faith. All of those that are part of the fruit of the Spirit ought to be evident in our lives every day as we live. Well, he moves on from the letter to the church at Galatia, uh, Galatia, and he moves to the letter to the church at Ephesus. And in his letter to the church at Ephesus, specifically in chapter number 4, here's one of the things that Paul writes. He said, we should walk in a manner that's worthy of our calling and who we are. And matter of fact, on in that letter... One of the things that Paul writes about is every day we should put on the whole armor of God. From the top of our head to the sole of our feet, we ought to put it on every day. For what reason? So that we can stand against the temptations and all of those things that, that the world system hurls at us at every single day. Matter of fact, as you move on through Paul's letters, this, his letter to the church at Colossae, and he, and he writes this subject over and over and over again. And matter of fact, when you come to 1 Thessalonians in the letter to the church at Thessalonica, one of the things that Paul did when he left the church, or when he left Thessalonica and he made his way down to Athens, there were th some things that he saw that were very evident in the church at Thessalonica that I think is very important for us as well today. Matter of fact, we can take these things and, and we can use them and make them a part of our lives each and every day. But Christianity, the Christian life is lived out every day in the activities that make up our busy and varied lives. And I know nobody in here is busy. Everybody has plenty of time every day. Matter of fact, many of us sit around trying to figure out what we're going to do with all that additional time left over. And we all know that's not the case. We live busy lives. We live varied lives. 
And so, in the Christian life, what does it look like? What should it, what, what should it be like in our lives each and every day? And so the other question comes down to this is, so what things were evident in the church at Thessalonica that Paul saw that prompted this thanksgiving? You say, what thanksgiving? Well, look at chapter 2, beginning in verse 9 of 1 Thessalonians. And I want you to notice as Paul writes, he said, For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You're witnesses, and so is God. How devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave toward you believers. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each of you as a father would his own children verse 12 so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory for this reason we also constantly thank God that when you receive the word of God which you heard from us you accepted it not as the word of men but for what it really is, the Word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you also endured the same sufferings at the hands of your own countrymen, even as they did from the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out. They are not pleasing to God, but they're hostile to all men hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved with the result that they will always fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them to the utmost. So what do we see here? This thanksgiving that you see in verse 13, for this reason we also constantly thank God that when you receive the where did this thanksgiving come from and what was so important about this thanksgiving from paul how were they able to see what didn't what in the world did paul see in the church at thessalonica that brought about this thanksgiving well i believe it's threefold and it's taken out of verse 13 and verse 14 of which i will spend most of my time this morning and here's the first one so it's a threefold picture that Paul received from the church at Thessalonica number one was their reception and acceptance of the word it was their reception and acceptance of the word number two the spiritual maturing of the believers the spiritual maturity of which Paul saw in the believers at Thessalonica and then number three their continued serving despite any of the suffering or the persecution that took place so how in the world did the believers in Thessalonica live out their life in such a way that this was so evident? Well, let's take the first one. The acceptance or the, re, the reception of the word of God. So look at verse 13 and notice what Paul writes. He said, for this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, 
and accepted it. And notice what he writes next. You accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God. But not only that, but because of what it was able to do, which also performs its work in you who believe. You know, the word spoken by Paul and Silas and Timothy, when you look at the when you look at the, the phrase here and when you look at the words of verse 13, literally, here's what it says. It was a word heard from us out from God. That's what the word of God is. A word that was heard from Paul, Silas, and Timothy that was out from God himself. When we look at the word of God, how do we see the word of God today? How important is the word of God today? How important is the scripture to us today? How do we see the scripture do we see the scripture? Do we see the word of God as just another book that has been written by men and passed down through the ages full of a bunch of tradition and a bunch of passed on accounts that have been given to us? Or do we see the scripture as the word of God that is able to perform, that is able to make about and bring about a change in the lives of each believer? That's the way we should how did those at Thessalonica see it? Well, they received it and they accepted it as such. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And let's just notice what Paul also had to say concerning this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. When we gather together as a church, and we gather together for the purpose of worshiping and glorifying God, one of the things that ought to be very prevalent in, way we, in the way that we worship and gather, that the Word of God has preeminence and priority. Because at the end of the day, all of the other is just peripheral. What matters is, is what the Word of God says. What also matters is not what our opinion is. What matters is what the Word of God specifically says. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, notice verse number 1. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand. The gospel. How important is the gospel? Well, one of the things that Paul does is he goes down through now and he's going to explain to you what that gospel is. But I want you to notice how he explains the gospel in light of the word of God. Verse number three, he said, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, what? According to the scripture. So it's not a hearsay thing. It's according to the scripture. Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, exactly the way that we have it for us from the Word. Well, you come to verse number 4. Not only did He die for our sins according to the Scripture, but you come to verse number 4, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day. Notice what it says next, according to the what? According to the Scripture. 
So is the scripture important? It is. Does it have the utmost importance? It does. Does it matter at the end of the day what the critics have to say concerning the empty tomb of Jesus Christ, whether or not he was raised on the third day or not, whether he died or just hallucinated on the cross, never really died. They put him inside of a cool tomb, and he came to life while he was inside of the cool tomb. The stone was moved out from uh, in front of it, and the body of Jesus was taken and stolen away, and he came to life at some other time. My dear friend, listen to me. What is important here is what does the Scripture say? He died for our sins on the cross according to the Scripture. Number two, he was buried, and on the third day, he rose again according to the what? The Scripture. So why do we hold to this, and why do we hold to the truth of the Gospel? It's because of the scripture and if that's not enough let's go to galatians chapter number one look at galatians chapter one galatians chapter one verse 11 and verse 12 And one of the things that Paul is going to make very clear and plain here is the gospel which he preached did not come from man, but it was received. Look at verse 11. For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ himself here's something i think we need to be reminded of when it comes to the scripture and to the word of god number one the word of god is not mere words written out by men now they did under the inspiration of the holy spirit put them to paper but one of the things that i want you to understand about the scripture is this god is the author God is the author, and through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, holy men of God, as they were moved by the Spirit of God, penned for us onto paper what we have as the Word of God. But my dear friend, listen to me. The Word of God came from the author himself. From the author who is God. So how do we see, how do we look at the Word of God? But I want you to notice, back in 1 Thessalonians, let's go back there. I want you to notice with me, the phrase in the last part of verse 13. I want you to notice with me the phrase at the last part of verse 13. What is the word of God able to do? Which also performs its work in you who believe. Here's something that God said about his word. It would never return to him void. It would always accomplish what he intends for it to accomplish. My dear friend, listen to me. Nothing's changed today. It's still the same today. The Word of God accomplished it. It, 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 it performs in us what God intends for it to. So is that important? Sure it is. That phrase means to work effectively. It means to work productively with power on a supernatural level. I know you get tired of hearing me say this over and over and over again, but I will tell you this. You can't afford to go a day without being in the Word of God. Let me tell you why. Because it has the power to accomplish at a supernatural level what only the Word of God can do. 
in the hearts of believers. But how much time do we spend in the Word of God? Let me ask you a question. How, do you, how, how important is the Word of God to you? It should be important. It should be at the top of the list that we spend time in the Word of God. Why? That's the way that we grow in our maturity. So that is the reason why the Word of God is so important in all that we do. But the second thing that Paul saw in the church at Thessalonica was this. He saw the spiritual maturing of the saints that were there. He could see them growing in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Look at the first part of verse 14. He says, For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. He said you became imitators of those. Let me tell you what, let me tell you what Paul saw. Paul saw evidence of the gospel in the lives of the Thessalonian believers. That's what he saw. And it was seen in their growth spiritually for who they were. And let me say this, not numerically, but spiritually. And my dear friend, God help us today if our main focus is to put numbers inside of a building or to see people grow spiritually in their walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Numbers come, but the most important thing is that we as believers grow in our spiritual maturity with Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, here's what Peter said. Peter gave us this as he wrote his first letter. And here's what he said. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It should be something that we do every single day. Growing in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Bringing our families to the point that we raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Spending time where the Word of God is central to all that we do. I know some are looking up here at me wondering... Well, if I do that, is that a guarantee? It is not. But let me tell you something. You can't afford not to. Because at the end of the day, choices are going to be made by all. Matter of fact, go spend some time reading in the Old Testament. Go, go spend some time reading about the kingdom of Israel. As God spoke directly to them. As God used prophets to come alongside and to try to bring them back to himself through the prophets and, and through the scripture and, and through the leading of the prophets. But let me ask you a question. Did it? No. But was it important? Yes. Because at the end of the day, here was what was more important than anything else. That they did exactly what God told them to do. The prophets. When the prophets delivered their message to Israel about their condition and where they were and how God desired to have a relationship with him. And he told most of them, he said, you're going to take the message to them, but they're not going to listen to you. But at the end of the day, here was what's important. My dear friend, please listen to me. It was bringing the message of God himself and the word of God to the people. So what about us? The important thing is that we study the word of God each day in our lives and to bring the word of God to those that so desperately need to hear it. Here's what was taking place. The churches around Judea were beginning to grow. Matter of fact, more churches were, were becoming a part now as, as the missionary journeys of Paul began to extend and, and we see more and more churches were beginning to, to be birthed. 
And so they were growing, and so Paul is watching all of this growth, and he's watching them as they're growing in their relationship with the Lord. And then number three. They continued serving in spite of suffering and persecution. Look at the last part of verse 14. For you also endured the same sufferings at the hands of your own countrymen, even as they did from the Jews. They even suffered at the hands of their own countrymen. And matter of fact, when you go back and you read Acts chapter 17, you will find that the very opposition to what it was that they were doing and what was taking place in Thessalonica, it wasn't the Gentiles. Guess who it was? It was the Jews who were there. Of their own countrymen. Because they hunted them down. Matter of fact, they hunted Paul and them down when they left out of Thessalonica, went through Berea, headed to Athens, and eventually down to Corinth. And guess what? They chased them from Thessalonica even to Berea because of the message. My dear friend, listen to me. The Word of God is not just simply another book. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not just simply some other prescription that you can try to take to help get you through this life. My dear friend, listen to me. It is supernatural. It is powerful. And under the power of the Holy Spirit of God can bring about change in the hearts and lives of individuals that nothing else can. And so therefore, is it important? It ought to be. Is it important in our lives? It should be. It should be so important in our lives that each and every day we take the time to spend in the Word of God. Persecution. Matter of fact, in verse 14, it says, You also endured the same sufferings. Was Paul persecuted? He was. Was he thrown out of town? Sure he was. Thrown out of cities? All because of what? All because of the gospel. All because of his way of life. And all because of who he was. But you see, all of this was evidenced by their joy. And you say, what joy? Well, look back at chapter 1 and verse number 6. And I want you to notice what Paul wrote to them. He said, you also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation. And notice what it says, with the joy of the Holy Spirit. My dear friend, listen to me. That joy that we have through the Holy Spirit of God is fueled by spending time in the Word of God and in our relationship with Jesus Christ on a daily basis. Let me ask you a question. Is your joy full today? Matter of fact, Jesus himself said, my desire is that your joy might be what? Full. In the world that we live in today, I don't know about you, okay? But I tell you what, sometimes uh, you just have to turn the news off. Uh, you just can't take any more of it, okay? And matter of fact, who in the world do you believe? Spread all the way from this side of the social media network all the way to this side of the social media network. Everybody's got an opinion all the way across the board. I will say this to you this morning. I know one who has one opinion. And matter of fact, I know one who has all of the facts. They're not just opinions. 
And matter of fact, one day when that call does come and that trumpet does sound and when the church of Jesus Christ is taken away, my friend, that's when the rubber meets the road. The joy that the church at Thessalonica had, it came as a result of their receiving and accepting of the word of God. It came as a result of understanding and realizing the importance of it he saw that in the maturing of the saints that were there and in spite of suffering and persecution you know what's been unbelievable to me and amazing to me i've spent time overseas i watch what's taking place over there and i'm gonna tell you something a faith that is real is seen immensely in a time of suffering and persecution we don't know what that is here. I understand we're, we're seeing some difficulties in this country right now today, but it is nothing on the magnitude of what others see. And our, our, let me ask you this question this morning. Do you understand that while we're sitting in this building this morning, that there are ones in the world that we live in today outside of this country that are losing their life because of the gospel of Jesus Christ? happening as we meet here so let me ask you a question how important is the word of god to us how important is the power that it contains in the gospel but i want you to notice the major transition from verse 14 to verse 15 and verse 16 i want you to notice as as paul makes this transition but it's because he's going to deal with the Jews in verse 15 and verse 16. Who both killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out. You ought to underline that, and drove us out. Go back and read the book of Acts. How many times was Paul driven out of different places? How many times was he run out of towns? How many times did Paul suffer at the hands of of who? Of his own countrymen. For the sake of the gospel. Verse 16. Hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. With the result that they always fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them to the utmost. You know, the Jews that Paul refers to walked in the absolute opposite direction. And matter of fact, if you'll take your Bible and just turn back with me to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, and beginning in verse 40. And matter of fact, as Paul provides a warning here in verse 40 therefore take heed so that the things spoken of in the prophets may not come upon you behold you scoffers and marvel and perish for I am accomplishing a work in your days a work which you will never believe though someone should describe it to you verse 42 as Paul and Barnabas were going out the people kept begging that these things might be spoken to them the next Sabbath and now when the meeting of the synagogue had broken up, 
Many of the Jews and of the God-fearing proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, were urging them to continue in the grace of God. We come to verse 44. The next Sabbath, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of the Lord. And where they are, where are they at this point in time? They're in Pisidian Antioch. That's where they are. Verse 45, but when the Jews saw the crowds, when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. And they began contradicting the things spoken by Paul and were blaspheming. Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first, since you repudiate it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles, quoting from Isaiah the prophet, that you may bring salvation to the end of the earth. And so when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread through the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of prominence and the leading men of the city and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. Isn't that amazing? The gospel. Let me share something with you today. You want to know something else that's dividing today? The gospel. Why? Let me tell you what it does. Because now with the gospel, it's no longer about me. It's all about what God's done. And seeing ourselves as we truly are, as a sinner, condemned already, as Jesus himself said in John chapter number 3, and in the long, lengthy conversation that he had with Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again. That is the only way. And matter of fact, he said, without Jesus Christ, one of the things that you need to understand, you're condemned already. And so what awaits you if you continue in that sin with an unrepentant heart toward the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, understanding the wrath of a holy God and refuse and walk contrary to that, then all you have to look forward to is eternal separation from God himself. But God provided a way. And he provided that way through Jesus Christ, his own son. So at the end of all of this, what does it mean for us today? What is what Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica have anything to do with us? Well, let me give you two things this morning in closing. How do I apply this to me today? Well, first of all, they received and accepted the word of God. Number two, Paul saw them growing in their spiritual life in the things of Jesus Christ and the word. And number three, they continued serving in spite of the persecution and the suffering. What allowed them to do so? Well, here comes the application. It's twofold. Number one, those who honor the word of God and grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. You ready for this? We await an eternal glorification. We await an eternal glorification. You see, that's, that's, that's the part I'm looking forward to. That's the part that one day is coming for me. Matter of fact, when this life is over and done, matter of fact, here's what Paul wrote to the church at Rome. He said, there is a day of glorification that will come for the believer. 
but that is only through Jesus Christ. John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the way, the life, and the truth. And no man comes to the Father except what? By me. It's the only way. The way, the truth, and the life. And that life comes through Jesus Christ. But here comes the other side of that coin. Because you see, it's a two-sided coin. And let me say this to you this morning. Please, listen to me. There's not a third side. There's not a neutral ground here. There's not a place that you can go to that you can say, well, you know something? I don't, I, I don't necessarily agree, but I, I don't dis- so I'm just going to kind of walk this middle ground. Mm-mm. Here's what Jesus himself said. Either you're for me or you're against me. It's that simple. So what is the second part of the application? Well, here it is. But those who reject the word of God and hinder the work of the gospel will ultimately suffer eternal condemnation eternal may we not hinder the gospel may we understand that the gospel is about Jesus Christ may we understand that the reason for the joy of the church at Thessalonica came as a result of the preached word of God and they're growing amen but I have a question for you today. And, and here it comes. It comes this way. Number one, how important is the Word of God to you? How, how important is it? My dear friend, listen to me. This, is, this, this isn't just any other book. Number two, how important is the gospel to you? What motivates you each day? Are you looking for a hope? Are you hoping that one day I'm going to make it? Are you hoping that one day I'll have enough on on the good side that it'll outweigh everything on the bad side? My dear friend, listen to me. You're hoping in nothing other than yourself at that point. You can't do it. It's the gospel. Do you know today? Do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? Do you have a personal relationship with him? That's the question you have to answer.